Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Matt Rouse. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, John. How are you doing today? Absolutely fantastic. How's it going? It's going great. You know, it's actually kind of uh, a little, I don't know, my brain's kind of switched backwards because I just recorded my own podcast with a guest on it just before we jumped on this one. So I was interviewing someone and now I'm getting interviewed. My brain's like trying to run the interview <laughs> yeah 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 that's all good right hey it's about conversation with me so that's right it's back and forth and that's what i believe in all right let's start off with a description of who you are what you do and how you got there so my audience will know who we're talking to in your background sure so my name is matt rouse i run uh two marketing agencies one in the united states and one in canada called hook digital marketing and hook digital marketing canada respectively and I just uh, today actually released my seventh book. Uh, it's called Will AI Take My Job? And it is predictions about the use of AI in industry. And um, I cover about 25, 30 industries and verticals in the book. So if that's something that interests you, you can uh, take a look at that. And I started out working in technical fields um, early on. Uh, I had a computer since the 80s. Um, and then I went on to do some like electronic sales and computer sales and stuff before I got into tech support, which led to web design, which took me to the United States where I ended up working for some pretty big um, marketing groups, but on the technical side of them. So I worked for Nike and Intel and some other big companies there. And uh, some of the biggest companies in Canada, I used to work for Shaw Communications for a while. Uh, and ultimately I turned my side hustle, which was making websites uh, for money and then doing search optimization when that started to become a thing and partnered with my business partner who's in Costa Rica and we put our agencies together and and created our official marketing agency in 2014. So we've been doing marketing for small businesses for about a decade now. Interesting. Now you came from basically being employed. What was the motivation to cross over? So I was working as a contractor and as a contractor, you kind of have to try to line up your next contract while you're working at your current contract. Got it. And a lot of people say, well, you know, is that's not a whole lot of job security. But I was seeing everybody around me who was an employee where I was a contractor getting laid off anyway. So I was like, there's no job security in this world at this point. You know, very few people have any kind of real job security. Very true. But I started having clients who would pay me monthly to do work for them. And when we started doing the monthly work, I was like, if I can get enough of this monthly recurring revenue, then I don't have to keep finding a new contract, right? True. So the I think the biggest step was to bite the bullet. Uh, my wife uh, had a reasonably good job, right? Um, you know, she made... She made enough money that we could pay the rent and the bills kind of thing. Uh, so anyways, I took the leap and, uh, you know, about six months in, probably I was able to build it up to enough that, you know, it was a salary that we could, you know, start to live on. And then a year later, she was able to quit her job and, uh, you know, we just ran the agency. So fascinating. Now, was quitting her job part of the uh, plan or was it something that just came about? It wasn't originally. Um... But when she was pregnant with my daughter, she was a corporate trainer for dog grooming. Got it. So she was a lot of physical labor. And, you know, uh, we just wanted to make sure that 
you know, she wasn't around chemicals and that she was physically able, you know, to be as healthy as possible. Um, and we could do it right. And, and any kind of manual labor eventually is going to take its toll. So, you know, before she got carpal tunnel or something or repetitive stress syndrome from grooming dogs, it was, it was time to get out of that. Yeah, I got it. Makes sense. All right. Well, now with that being said, you know, digital marketing and everything has changed a lot. You brought up AI and whether or not it, you feel that it's going to take your job. Um, I personally think that AI was is going to take some people's jobs. I mean, it's going to create other jobs, but it's going to take some people's jobs. And my personal belief is that that's why it's important to consistently upgrade your skills so you can stay on top of everything and you know, what I mean, hey, if you know how to use AI, you probably progress to the next level and you'll get to that next level where AI is involved and you can be involved with that. And if you choose to walk around with blinders, you won't understand it and you become obsolete. And I think that's the way the world is today. I think certain things cancel out and other things uh, come in. And that's my perspective. But since you wrote the book, let's touch upon your thoughts. 100% agree. Now, I think what an issue is with AI is that it, a lot of people see it as it kind of came out of nowhere, even though there's been a lot of AI systems for a lot of years that, um, you know, kind of technology that we use every day, like your Google map that figures out where the traffic is and all that stuff, you know, those are all deep learning AI systems. What we're talking about now is generative AI. Generative AI is new. Um, So you're looking at 20 years of AI advancement in just a three-month period, and that has continued. So if you look at November of last year, GPT-3 came out, and GPT-4 came out six months later, and it was 10 times more powerful. Correct. The average person right now does not know anything about AI. Most of them have not even heard of it. Unless you are self-employed, educated, or wealthy, according to a study by Pew Research, almost no one else uses or has even experimented with AI. And these are publicly freely available tools. Get into ChatGPT, mess around with it. If it's for your business, purchase it. Use the plus, you know, that's $20 a month or I don't know, US, so I don't know what the Canadian equivalent is, 30 bucks basically. And start learning what you can do with it. Man, ChatGPT is what everybody says is AI now, but there are hundreds of other AI programs. And I think it's really important to understand kind of what are the possibilities with these systems, because there's no way that you can look at your work and say, could I improve this task if you don't know what's possible? Yeah. It would be like, you know, if you're a painter and anybody only ever gave you black and white paint, you know, you'd be like, well, I didn't know I could do blue. Right. So you've got to understand more than just uh, you know, chatbots. But I think it's also important to use those and mess around with the different features of those. And let me give you an example. So when I was writing the book, after I wrote a chapter, and then it would go through two rounds of editing with human editors, right? Come back. We used AI for grammar and spelling checking, obviously, which everybody does now. They use Grammarly or, you know, Blue Pen or something like that. Um, a lot of people don't know that it's an AI system that's using those. Uh, after we did that round of editing, 
I would put it into ChatGPT and I would say, I want you to summarize the three main points of this or give me the three key takeaways. And then it would generate that for me from me giving it the entire chapter. And then I would read those and, and maybe I'll say, okay, well, you know what? Number two doesn't quite say what I think it should say. Let's change it to something like this and it would update it. And then we would edit those and put them in the book. It used to take me an hour to get the three key takeaways written up for a chapter of a book. Um, this took five to 10 minutes. So you got 10 chapters, save nine hours of time. Wow. So if you're saving, if you can find a task that you can automate like this, that's a 90% time savings. And let's say just for the sake of argument, there's me and five other people writing the same book and they're not using it and I am, then I am going to get done way faster and I'm going to get a way better end product. Even though the, the output is the same, we're all producing a book, but I was able to write this book and have it edited twice by humans and do the cover art, which I used a generative AI for, and then I edited it in Canva and uh, a little Photoshop, I had to tweak something. Um, and, you know, using the AI for summaries, using the AI helped me reword this paragraph so it's easier to understand, that kind of stuff. Uh, we were able to put it out in 45 days. So the book is absolutely current. And I finished the last chapter of the book on Friday. And it came out today, which is Tuesday. Wow. So there is information in there that came out Friday. Right. Well, here, that brings up another point in terms of copywriters. Now, there's different thoughts on it. Now, some people believe that copywriting job is pretty much near its end. Other people believe that there's still a need for copywriters. Where does this all, you know, lie when, you know, with the AI as it continues to improve? If so, there's there's a qualification there. Depending how important it is that the content is correct is how important it is to use a copywriter. So if I'm writing medical or technical documentation, that is, you know, somebody's life could depend on this being right. You don't want to put it in an AI and spit it out and just say, ah, good enough. You know, you want to have uh, a, an actual person who understands what it is, you know, doing the writing. If it's, you know, a post on, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or something, and, you know, if it's not 100% right, it's maybe not the end of the world. It's probably okay to use the AI to write it and then, you know, tweak it yourself. Um, there's a couple other thoughts. One is if it has some kind of proprietary customer data or, um, you know, information from your company, like intellectual property, your company may not want you giving that to a third party. And if you're using BARD or ChatGPT or something or Llama or whatever AI for free, you're paying them basically by training their AI with the data you're putting into it. It's just like on Facebook, you're the product, not the customer, right? Right, right. Got that. So your company may have a policy that says you can't do that. And if you do it and you're using that to summarize your emails or something in your company and it's got proprietary company data in it, that's a good way to lose your job that wouldn't be AI taking your job you would just lose it because it's going against policy, right? Um, and and another kind of, you know, caveat to that 
is um, if you're using um, an AI system to let's say do 90% of all your work you need to figure out like how can you get more work to do it faster because you don't want you know someone uh, from a company to say okay we can get 90 we can get rid of 90% of our staff if they're doing 90% of their work with the AI right and you know that brings yeah. up one more thing and I, I don't I don't mean to cut you off but this no, no. brings up there's the company only has three choices okay for the sake of argument let's say that there is a 30% improvement in staff productivity in a certain department because they're using AI the company has three choices take the 30% improvement Maybe their staff can work on other things. They could take more time off. Maybe they don't need to pay overtime and they can get their job done in, you know, their 35 to 40 hours or whatever. That's all great. No change. They may take that 30% and say, I need 30% less headcount. So we're going to reduce our staffing by 30% because our staff are 30% more productive. The other thing is they could say, if we're 30% more productive, let's hire more people who will also be 30% more productive and we can make more money, right? But that also depends on if your company makes widgets and you're already selling as many widgets as there are that can be sold, then you can't add more people and make more money. You're just adding cost. So it's really from kind of a you know purely capitalist standpoint, those are the only three choices. And I think that you're going to see that the larger the corporation, the more likely or the larger the organization, the more likely they are to reduce headcount. You don't want to be the redu the reduction in headcount, right? Which is like you were saying, is you want to learn, in that case, you want to learn how to use AI. You want to be very proficient or become more of an expert at what you do because they're going to try and keep the most productive individuals, right? In most cases. And, you know, so the idea is somebody with using an AI will take your job. The AI is not taking your job. Right, right, right. Now I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Sure. And, and this is what I've noticed out in the workforce and from what I hear and see, you know, through my experiences and it's, Again, what you said is absolutely accurate, but but it's also showed a different change in the workforce throughout time. Now, my parents have come here. Companies were lawyer, 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 loyal to their employees, and their employees were loyal to the company. The employees wanted the best for the company, and the company would therefore generate more profits and pass some of it down through bonuses at uh, Christmas, we'll say. Now, over the years, it's become more about dividends and um, shareholders and less about the employees. And going to where you're saying that, today's workforce, a lot of times is a common thing out there and saying, oh, nobody wants to work. Well, it's not that nobody wants to work. I find that what ends up happening is that loyalty, that commitment to each other has been broken. And even goes to what you said when you were working, even the people were, that were working were getting laid off, like they were on full-time status. So it showcases that that loyalty is gone. So what ends up happening now, and it goes back to your efficiencies where I'm, where I'm going with this, is that um, 
it doesn't matter how much work you give a person, it will take them till 5 p.m. to do it. And I'll give you an example. The work from home made it blatantly obvious that this is happening. Now, the employees working from home, all of a sudden, they get their job done by 12 so they can go out for lunch for two, three hours or hang out with friends, go in the shopping mall or whatever. They stay logged in through their phone so the employer doesn't know that they've left. And um, so the employer still thinks they're logged in. They still reply so it's not obvious. They answer the phone so it's not obvious. But the reality is they're not at their desk working. Now, all of a sudden, that, that's on a Monday, just say. Now, just say Tuesdays to work from the office. Same amount of work, all of a sudden, click, 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 all the way to 5 p.m. Oh, my God, I don't have enough time. Now, how is it that on Monday, when they had the ability to hang out with their friends or go to the shopping mall, they were done by 12 noon? By And Tuesday, it's so much work, and they're so slow, they just can't keep up. And what it is is that perception of what you were saying about, you know, if you're 30% more efficient, you're going to get that much more work. So now, or they're going to reduce it. So people, what they do is they know how much they can get done per hour. So they extend their workload when everybody can see them to showcase that they're working nine to five. When reality is they could have been done by noon. And I think that's the observation I made. And that's not with everybody. And I don't think this, you know, COVID hit. We had, uh, you know, there's a pandemic and everybody's at home and poof, it woke up and that's the way it was. Like, wow, how did this happen? No, I think this was a gradual progression over time. As companies were catering to shareholders more and discarding employees like a bag of trash, those employees got smart and said, hmm, they don't value us. What can we do? Now it became about them. So what happens is now it's us versus them. And I think that's the mentality there. And I think that's breaking culture now. Yeah. yeah, So where I'm going with this is what can possibly be done going forward where maybe there's some sort of, you know, unilateral workforce here where you can bring culture back and kind of still keep efficient. Cause I believe in efficiency too. I believe in everything you said, you have to be efficient because let's be honest, if, the company's not making money. They have no money to pay you. So there still needs efficiency. There's there's no going around there. <laughs> but- yeah. There's a pretty, I mean, there's so many different companies and so many different situations. You could never cover them all, right? True. And if, you, if we're talking, you know, a mom and pop business that has two employees, they're probably very loyal to their employees and their employees are probably very loyal to them. It could be, you know, a small business that, only has 10 employees and maybe they treat their employees like crap, right? You know, you just never know. So there's no blanket way to say it, but I think from what we know about corporations, you know, especially if they uh, have been purchased by like an equity company or something who are notorious for cutting costs, right? And, you know, they they don't have as much of a connection, you know, to the business that the original people who started it might have. Uh, they're going to be more likely to take any cost savings, no matter what it is, right? And, you know, I, I saw a cartoon, like a meme-style cartoon recently, where they said, we're going to lay off Bob. And it's got a bag that was Bob's salary and a bag that was Bob's work. And they just pass the work on to the other employees and take the bag of money and leave. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what the equity firm is built to do. Right. They are go in, cut costs, extract as much value as possible. Right. If that is the company that you work for, 
I would really consider looking for another job because they will take the the first chance that they can get rid of you. They're going to get rid of you, right? Because you're a cost. You're a very expensive cost. You have not just your payroll, your benefits, the employer matching taxes that they have to pay, all the facilities that they have to use to keep you, you know, at work or employed and plus the IT support and the help desk and the VPNs if you work at home and all the other stuff that they got to do. It's expensive, right? I think in the short term, you know, unless you're in a, a couple very specific industries, um, like if you are a support technician who works predominantly over text, like email and chat support, an AI is going to take your job soon. Like you need to either really start using AI and get good at it, or you need to go find something else because your job is on the line. There, the existing technology to replace your job is already in place, right? But, you know, if you are, say, a financial advisor, the regulatory frameworks and the trust factor of a client saying, I'm going to entrust my life savings to a computer program, mm -hmm. it's not going to be there for a really long time. So even though an AI could hypothetically do a lot of your job it's not going to anytime soon because there's regulations that need to change the wheels of government move really slowly for those types of things there is the trust factor of people so there's a lot of different factors that go into whether or not you know an ai can do your job but i think the part that people are missing is something and i don't want to get too technical and i don't want to get bogged down into technical details but there is something called an AI agent, which can be one or several AI programs, but it's an AI program that works autonomously, meaning it can take action on its own. It can determine what the plan is that it needs to do, and then it kind of ticks the boxes as it goes down the plan and the process. And it can be trained on private data. So the idea would be, okay, this is a support agent, for company X and it knows every support call that's ever been happened. It knows every answer to every question. It knows all the company's policies. It knows all of your products, all the information, absolutely everything. And it can have a conversation back and forth with a customer. That agent is what's going to take someone's job. So at that agent, they are in kind of development right now but they're not there yet, right? But 36 months from now, there's gonna be an agent for a million different industries. So that's the piece to watch out for. Got it, got it, got it. That makes total sense. And uh, it can be quite scary at times, if you think about it, right? Like, <laughs> I agree with you though. I mean, again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It, the, the time to consistently upgrade your skills and consistently be ahead of the curve is now. It's more important today than ever before. Absolutely. And, you know, if if you have uh, one more quick minute. Absolutely. I think one thing that people are missing about kind of in general, and, and I mean at every scale from the average Joe on the street talking about AI all the way up to your you know highest levels of government, what people are forgetting is 
they are looking backwards at history to try and determine what's going to happen in the future. So they say, okay, well, years ago, somebody invented, you know, the gramophone, which replaced the piano. So all the people who used to make pianos just went across the street to the factory that makes gramophones and they were retrained and everybody's happy. We've created new jobs out of the old jobs. Now people buy gramophones instead of pianos. End of story. But this isn't that. This is systems that can essentially, for better word, think, and they can simulate the actions of real people, that people, the things that they do for work. It can do decision making. If you've looked at any of the stuff about ChatGPT where you can upload images now, like the optics, and it can determine a defect in a part. It can determine this is, you know, this car was in an accident and the bumper is dented by showing it a picture of the car, right? So, and this is what's happening now, right? And if somebody's job gets replaced in some of these industries because the AI can make, can make decisions, there may not be a similar industry for that person to move into. Because once you have one AI agent that can do that job, you can replicate it across all the agents in that industry. So once one support agent knows how to have a conversation and calm somebody down who's angry, all the agents can do it. And once they can all do it, all of them learn you know, it's kind of like the Borg in Star Trek, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you shoot one with the phaser and it figures out a shield to block it, then all of them can do it. So, you know, you won't be able to just switch companies because every company will have replaced it with that program. That makes that sense. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. But also, like I said, there's a lot of caveats in there, right? Like... You know, a lot of industries have really slow moving regulatory frameworks. There's trust problems. There's all kinds of issues. So I think it's really going to come down to what industry are you in? What do you do in your job? Are you an information worker? You know, um, can your job be done? Just like you were saying, like work from home. If your job could be done 100% online, that means that there's probably an AI who can do at least part of that job. True. That's very true. Well, wow. You know what I mean? Again, that's powerful stuff and uh, things think pe things that people need to think about going forward. So now you, you said you're in digital marketing, right? And obviously AI is going to be a huge component to that. We use so, it every day. Right. So Mike, I got a two-part question here is how has AI altered your industry and what would you say is your niche market? So my company doesn't really have like an industry niche. But we are, um, if, if a, a business is difficult to market, they usually end up eventually coming to us. So they're not, you know, they can't just go to the gym marketing people or the, you know, the people who do marketing for makeup, right? You know, we have companies who, you know, like a flower farmer in Hawaii and, you know, a fugitive recovery business in the States in Washington and which is like bounty hunters and, you know, like a yeah, yeah. uh, place that does bridge crane inspection, you know, so all this sort of random stuff. But AI we use for all kinds of things. But I would say the most common things we use them for is content repurposing, which I can get into it, it, a little more if you want. Absolutely. 
summarization is another thing we use constantly. Are we, we're summarizing documents, we're summarizing emails, we're summarizing a study, we're summarizing something like just make this shorter so it takes me less time to dig out the information I need. Uh, ideation, so that's a fancy word for having it come out with ideas for you. So, you know, after you've written, you know, 27 blogs about, you know, the best Adirondack chair, it's hard to come up with more ideas about chairs, right? So you can say, give me 50 ideas about blogs about outdoor furniture. You know, so that's ideation. Um, data analysis, constantly for data analysis. Um, translations. Um, changing a file from one type to another. Like I want to take a PDF and I want to put it into a text file or something. You could do that. Um, we use it like a, you know, just like we did my book cover. Um, we use Midjourney to create the original image for the book cover. Um, there's music generators. You can make background music for your video or your podcast. You can have it generated and then it's copyright free. You can use it whenever you want. And YouTube doesn't ding you, you know, for the copyright. Um, and when I said uh, content repurposing, let's take your podcast for example, right? You've got the 16 by 9 recorded format. Right, right. So. If you use Descript or another program to transcribe it, you've got the video, you got the text. So you take the text, you put it into ChatGPT, and you can say, uh, I want you to convert this into Spanish, right? Or US Spanish or Canadian French, you know, whatever the case is. You can take it, use a program like Runway ML, which is another uh, AI. And they actually do text to video, but it has a bunch of other tools in there. One of them is making transcripts with time codes that are good for YouTube. So we'll, we'll transcribe those and then we'll translate them. And then you can say, what are the three key takeaways from this blog or from this uh, podcast? And it'll give you those. And you can say for number one, write me a four to five paragraph blog about number one. And then then it gives you the blog and you know you could do some editing or whatever right and you can say generate three social media posts about this blog and now you're doing that for like linkedin and maybe your facebook your instagram whatever you can say write a prompt for midjourney to create an image that i would use for this blog and then it'll give it to you put it in midjourney makes your image for you and you can use a tool like uh, GetMunch is one that's really good or Repurpose.io where you take the video, you put it in there and it'll make a dozen vertical video shorts that you can use for YouTube shorts or TikTok or Reels. Um, you can also make those square. You, because you have the transcript, then you can have it put in the captioning for you. All that stuff can be done from that one original file. So if we have one... 20 to 30 minute podcast on average we can create about 70 or 80 pieces of content from that one file wow that used to take us days to make just 10 or 12 now we can do 100 we can do it in two hours yeah that's wow that's how much more productive you are once you could get it going right like that like i said that used to be two staff for 14 hours it used to cost us a fortune to get that done you know now we have uh, one person who does it. And then we have an editor who reads it over and make sure everything's cool. Wow. Like that, that's crazy. I, uh, yeah. And I can relate. I'm still, uh, making my clips one by one, like a dummy. 
<laughs> Look at a program called GetMunch. GetMunch. Or Repurpose.io. I think GetMunch is about it's about forty bucks a month, but it'll do two hundred minutes of repurposing content, repurposing, and it gives you hashtags and it makes a tweet for you all in one, and it does it all automatically. You don't have to tell it anything. You just upload the file. Interesting. Very interesting. Awesome. I, I got to remember that. Awesome. Now, where I want to go with this is that in terms of aspiring entrepreneurs, I mean, somebody watched this, realized that they might be in the uh, in trouble category, or they just don't like their job, and they've always taken interest in something, whatever it is, um, but they have that fear of taking the leap. What would you? What advice would you give to that aspiring entrepreneur? I think the the scariest place to be is is in the unknown right so as much as you can educate yourself you know about whatever it is that you want to do the better i don't think that most industries are going to disappear a lot of people think that if ai comes to an industry that entire industry goes away um but you know like uber came to town a long time ago and there's still taxis so you know it doesn't no industry ever completely goes away i mean the gramophone replaced the piano, you know, 150 years ago or whatever, but there's still pianos, right? So, uh, but the other thing is, think about what it is that you would do if, you know, if you have a side hustle or you're going to try and create something or you want to create a business, think about things like trust, right? Is somebody going to trust, quote, a machine to do this thing or not? If the answer is no, it's probably pretty safe from AI. Another thing is, could I take an existing industry or process that's really slow? And could I find ways to use AI to automate some of that process? And now you could go into an industry where it takes somebody else 40 hours to do something and you could do it in four hours. That's pretty easy for somebody to choose you as a provider. 100%. Um, and there's a number of ways to do that. But like I said, the other thing is you really want to go out there and experiment, see what's out there, uh, read some books. Uh, a really good book about kind of taking the leap um, is um, Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing, is a really good one. Um, yeah, there's one, uh, I believe it's called The Gap, uh, which talks about how do you, or sorry, it's called The Dip. How do you get past the part where everything is really, really, really difficult before it gets better? Because that's where everybody quits, right? Yeah. Is in that that dip. And I think the other thing is that there's going to be, for sure, I, I mean, without question, there are going to be million or multi-million dollar businesses with one person running them. And there's already a few now that people have built with automation. But with AI, you're going to see it where one person is an entire company. They have agents that do their support. They have an AI that, you know, does some of their productivity work. They have an AI that does their, you know, their books and their finance and, you know, all of the pieces that they need. And they're kind of just the project manager of all these, all these systems and automations. There will be people making businesses that they're the only person in the business. And I mean, it's already for some industries doable now. You know, if you look at like the course industry where you have like a course creator and maybe they have a virtual assistant or two and 
bunch of automation and you know they're selling millions of dollars in courses i think that's going to happen with a lot of other industries makes sense all right in light of time i'm going to get down to a couple of last questions before i go into what i call the lightning round and uh question number one is going to be how do you know you've had a successful day i think when you get to the end of the day and you look back and you can just feel accomplished um Sometimes it's really tough when you've kind of had to spin your wheels a lot, you know, maybe you feel like I didn't get anywhere, but a lot of times when you feel like you didn't get anywhere, what you did is you've, you've kind of crossed off all the things that don't work. So it's going to make it easier the next day. Makes sense. All right. Last but not least for anyone watching this, uh, and wants to reach out to you or search for you or find you online, where would they go? You just go to MatthewRouse.com. It's Matthew with two T's. And Rouse is R-O-U-S-E, or you can find me as Matt Rouse on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's get into the lightning round with question number one, which is what is your favorite food and why? Oh, my favorite food is tough because I just completely changed my diet. Um, so I, I still think my favorite food is probably lasagna. Nice. Nice. A bit of a mix of everything in there. That's right. You get a little bit of everything. You know, it's got the meat and the pasta, the cheese. It's all good. That and tacos. Yeah. Tacos are wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And they're light. (laughs) Awesome. Favorite travel spot and why? Mm, Well, I really love going to Maui, but they just had that big, horrible fire there. Um, but it'll be a while before that opens up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I had some friends who just went back and they said it was pretty good. They were down in Wailea kind of on the South side where they didn't have as much fire. And also the, um, uh, Maui kind of has like two sides to it. One is like a sort of a jungle side. So that side didn't burn. So anyways, there's good and bad and they really want people to come back because the tourism is their industry and nobody's going there. So not only did they have fire and, and all the people who got injured or killed, but now most of the people are out of work. So they really need that tourism back. So go to Maui, people. There we go. You heard it first. <laughs> awesome. Uh, favorite podcast and or book? My favorite podcast right now um, is called This Day in AI. And it's a little technical for some people because the people who do it are developers. Um, but there's also another really good one that's put on by the Marketing AI Institute. Um, it's just called Marketing Artificial Intelligence. And uh, I just went to their conference. The f- second one that they've had, I was in Cleveland, Ohio a couple months ago, um, called MyCon. It's a marketing AI convention. Uh, it was also really good. And uh, probably the book that I've been reading the most is probably an odd choice but it's the second edition Pathfinder game rule book because I'm trying to get into this new game. And it's like a huge rule book. It's like 400 pages or something. So it's a lot of reading, but it's really good. Awesome. All right. Last but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money, but 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep what you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? Wow. If I had to spend unlimited money in 48 hours, I would just set up endless amounts of open-ended advertising campaigns and I would run endless loops on desktops on Amazon web services and, and they would spend billions. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> and then I would give it all to the charities cause I don't need that much money. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been phenomenal. Thanks John. It's great for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. 
If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.